The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, off to another winningponies.com show. Looking forward to it. Uh, a lot of interesting uh, items in the news. Uh, we've got some uh, good races to, to handicap later in the card, you know. Once again, this is the time of year where we, we pull the curtain back and start looking at the three-year-olds. Everybody's thinking about the, the Derby and the Oaks, and uh, we're going to have not one, not two, but three uh, races featuring the three-year-olds, and then we're going to round it out with the uh, the Strube out at Santa Anita. Uh, what an interesting field. I'll tell you what, there's going to be a lot of good betting opportunities. And uh, we're going to bring in uh, Rich Ng from Las Vegas to help us out. Rich, uh, a noted handicapper. And as uh, a matter of fact, he wrote the, the book for me, which is Handicapping for Dummies. Uh, so Rich uh, uh, knows the education value of handicapping. He knows how to explain it, and he knows how to pick a winner. And the good thing is uh, he's out in Las Vegas, so uh, he's going to kind of give us uh, an insider's look at the uh, DRF NTRA National Handicapping Championship that was held last weekend and a look at an upcoming contest that you can buy yourself into if you happen to be in the area. That's coming up a little bit later in the show. But speaking about Vegas... And the Daily Racing Forum, National Thoroughbred Racing Association, National Handicapping Championship. Well, it went down to the wire in more ways than one. Eventual winner Mike Baychoke won with his last bet. He had to wait out a photo finish, and then he had to worry about whether or not the horse went off at 5-2 to two or 3-1. to one. He ended up winning a million dollars by one dollar. Unbelievable. Uh, if you go up to some of the racing sites, you can see his reaction to as it happened. It was an $8,000 maiden claimer at Golden Gate Fields, believe it or not. And uh, so hats off to, to Michael Baychock. And as a matter of fact, if you want to hear from this guy, you can listen to this amazing story. And he's going to join well-known Democrat Party strategist and political commentator James Carville. Uh, they're going to be the death, uh, guest of uh, Bill Finley, who we've had on WinningPonies.com, and, uh, of course, well-known announcer Dave Johnson. Uh, they got a weekly radio show uh, on Down the Stretch, as you remember Bill telling us. It can be heard on Sirius Channel 93 and XM Channel 209. It starts at uh, 10 in the morning on Saturday. And, uh, interestingly enough, a uh, Carville befriended him back when they worked together at a law firm opened by uh, Baychak's father. And uh, the first visit to the racetrack was at the fairgrounds, and it was James Carville that brought this year's handicapping champion to the races for the first time in his life. So, uh, again, uh, that, that will be on the uh, Down the Stretch show with Bill Finley and Dave Johnson if you want to listen in. Well, some uh, news uh, that we were crazy about hearing this week is the fact that uh, Rachel Alexandra, and uh, at the time her six-day-old foal uh, colt by the two-time horse Curlin, were taken to Rudin Riddle Equine Clinic in Lexington. Uh, this was back on Friday as a precaution for uh, pain management related to the birth, a release from Stone Street Farm Set. Uh, 
they say both the mare and the foal are doing well, and I just have not seen anything. I've been searching out some of the some of the sites to see whether or not they're back at Stone Street. So hopefully uh, everything will be well. They they reported at the time that they just uh, plan on being there for a couple of days. So hopefully uh, Mom and her colt will be back soon. Well, uh, just out is the uh, Jockey Club Experimental Free Handicap. Now, uh, in case you're wondering what this is, this is, goes all the way back to 1935. And basically, they assign weights, something that doesn't happen a whole lot in racing these days, uh, of the two-year-olds who are now three-year-olds. And uh, the, the waiting committee, the racing secretaries from across the country, uh, this year was Ben Huffman at Churchill Downs in Keeneland, P.J. Campo of the New York Racing Association, and Tom Robbins of the Del Mar Thoroughbred Club. And uh, to no surprise, it was Hanson and Union Rags who were weighted both at 126. Let's face it, only a head separated them at the finish line, and uh, so there wasn't uh, any weight change there. So Union Rags and Hanson get the top 126-pound weighting. The Philly division was headed up by last year's champion, two-year-old Philly, uh, my Miss Aurelio, she got 124 pounds. Uh, they ended up weighing 130 males, 94 fillies, uh, and there is a list. If you want to go up and see where maybe one of your favorite horses uh, landed in the assessment of these uh, outstanding racing secretaries, you can go to uh, jockeyclub.com or jockeyclub.com slash experimental.com. ASP. And uh, so looking at, at the horses, it's interesting, too, to look at the sires. And uh, it looked like Indian Charlie, sad to say, who just passed away about a month ago, uh, led the list of Colts and Geldings with uh, four different representatives. Bluegrass Cat, City Zip, Giants Causeway, uh, had uh, High Cotton, Kittens Joy, Scat Daddy. Those were the top ones with three each. And on the girl side of things, Hard Spun, uh, Kittens Joy and Lionheart, they all headed the Phillies list with four each, while Scat Daddy and Song and a Prayer have three. So for those of you that like to do the, the pedigree handicapping, those are the studs you want to look for. Well, we did handicap the Holy Bull. We'll talk about it just a little bit more in this segment. But uh, it was upset time for the first time for Hanson. Uh, algorithms look very, very impressive. Uh, Dr. Hansen has started a blog with uh, with Jenny Reese of the Louisville Courier Journal, and I got to say he didn't duck it after after the horse uh, didn't win, and so you can go through Jenny Reese with the Louisville Courier Journal and read uh, Dr. Hansen's blog, and uh, he, uh, he looked kind of an interesting uh, view of the race, and uh, he's you know basically kind of saying, you know, what we want to do is we want to be 100% on Derby Day, and we weren't at 100% back for the Holy Bull. Now, uh, he, he mentions uh, running in to Ramon Dominguez, and if anybody saw the race, you saw that Hanson stumbled uh, coming out of the gate, and uh, all of a sudden, sometimes, as you see, a little bit of panic gets going, that adrenaline gets going, ended up being four and a half on top, and it was just too fast. Now, they do say after conferring that, that there's going to be some changes. He, he ate well. 
He was fine. He, they hope he'll be stronger for his next race. But uh, it looks like the blinkers are going to come off. So, obviously, maybe they're trying to take a little bit of the speed off him. And uh, also, he was a little bit hyper in the post-parade. They're going to give the lead pony an extra rope. So, that calm him down just a little bit going to the post. We'll find out. Uh, they said they might even see Union Rags in the next race. Uh, they don't know. Who knows? Either way, you're probably going to bump into one of Pletcher's uh, big horses. So uh, that that was the news. And, again, that blog is on the Louisville Courier-Journal. Uh, some news uh, from the jockey world. A couple of weeks ago, we told you how Calvin Burrell was going to Oaklawn Park um, to start riding and I mean, to uh, Gulfstream Park, rather, than Oaklawn, where he usually goes. Well, obviously, he had a change of mind. Uh, his agent, Jerry Hissom, said that Oaklawn's where we had our greatest successes, and that's where they, you know, that's where they hooked up with Rachel Alexander and uh, Super Saver. So uh, they're hoping that some of the horses that he was going to uh, ride down at Gulfstream might uh, decide to come on up to Hot Springs, uh, Take Charge Indy could be one. They like to see him come up either for the Rebel or the Arkansas Derby. Actually, I think that's the horse that, that really brought him down there to Gulfstream to secure his uh, his Derby mount. Uh, also, there was the uh, Jockey's Guild Assembly in Fort Lauderdale. Last week we had Terry Meeks on the program. appreciate him being on winningponies.com. And uh, two jockeys and a steward who contributed to jockey safety were honored uh, for their achievements down there. Uh, one is one of my favorite riders. As a matter of fact, I got his ball cap. Uh, Mountaineer racetrack based Deshaun Parker was presented with the Lafitte Pinkai Jr. Award. Uh, for Outstanding Jockey, he led all riders last year, 2011, and in 2010. A real hard worker. Of course, his uh, father, Daryl Parker, uh, was a guest on Winning Ponies uh, earlier this year. Uh, the steward was uh, a Dave Hicks, who created a program to work with uh, young riders on safety. He received the Eddie Arcaro Award. And uh, Jackie Martin not only received the award as the top quarter horse rider, but was informed that it would be named in his honor. A seven-time winner of the All-American Futurity, Martin has won nearly 3,000 races. Um, a race we won't be handicapping, but it's going to come up on Sunday, is Game on Dude. Uh, once again, the goal, Breeders' Cup Classic. As you saw at the 16th poll this year, uh, we uh, thought that maybe Game on Dude and uh, Chantel Sutherland were going to get the job done and be the first woman in history to win the, uh, the Classic. It didn't happen, uh, but... Uh, you know, Game On Dude's back and is in the hands of Bob Baffert, uh, so uh, anything could happen. This is another one of the many horses that is now pointing for the $10 million uh, Dubai World Cup on March 31st, where it could run into Proud Delta and Animal Kingdom. Um, trying to think there's one other big horse uh, that uh, we're going to be looking at that's going to be over there. So it's going to be, there, there could be as much as... Uh, as three Eclipse Award winners over in Dubai going for the $10 million. But you will get to see Game on Dude, who didn't get Horse of the Year honors, uh, much to the baffled Baffert, but uh, we'll hope to uh, 
go off to an Eclipse Award this following year. Now, a big announcement was made considering champion Animal Kingdom this week, and uh, we'll see how it's going to impact racing at uh, little old Tampa Bay Downs. Uh, hopefully later in the show we can uh, get, a, get a hold of uh, Margot Flynn and talk to her about how this is going to impact uh, Tampa Bay Downs. Uh, it looks like he'll be pointed towards the $150,000 Tampa Bay Stakes. That race is going to be run on February 25th. If you're making any plans to uh, go down to uh, the Tampa area, that might be a good weekend to go. Um, Again, pointing towards the $10 million Dubai World Cup. According to Graham Motion, he thinks that a turf race would be easier on him uh, coming back. It's a little bit kinder than dirt. And he said if the race in Dubai was on dirt, it'd probably be a different story. I believe they have the uh, Tapeta surface over there. Animal Kingdom, he's on his toes. He covered five furlongs in under a minute on Wednesday, and that was at Palm Meadows where they really don't go all that fast. So uh, Animal Kingdom uh, ready to go. And again, he was crowned the champion three-year-old last year. Well, let's take a look at some of the races that we looked at last week. Uh, the Daily Racing Forms Byron King uh, was uh, nice enough to be our guest handicapper. And uh, right out of the gate, we'll talk about the Holy Bull, the grade three, going a mile. It was a one-turn mile. And as we said earlier, it was upset time. Hansen tasted defeat for the first time. Did stumble out of the gate. Uh, got back up on his feet, was cruising pretty good, but I'll tell you what, this algorithms out of the Todd Pletcher barn was unbelievable. As a matter of fact, uh, news just came out today that uh, they actually changed the buyer figure of algorithms uh, to a 105 from a 98. Uh, they used the tracker system and they said that uh, they came up with a 135.09 versus the 136.17 and uh, so therefore Andy Byer announced that they are actually going to move the number up to a 105. So uh, th- it was an impressive win. The, the horse had only gone six and a half furlongs. Now Algorithms is undefeated, and uh, this is another one of the so many talented foals of, of Bernardini, uh, who's just the white hot sire right now. Unbelievable. Uh, algorithms pulled away to win by five. Um, Hansen held on to be a half length over Adonis, who uh, had an excuse himself. He was bumped at the start, and he rallied in the small field. He was sixth for most of the race, but came up and did get the third spot. Uh, moving from there to the next day, uh, of course, they had the Florida Sunshine Millions uh, down at Gulfstream Park with a slew of good races with Florida breads. And as Byron and I said, the uh, Millions Classic for 400000 sure didn't look like it was a straight state-bred restricted race. So um, we had some really talented horses in there. But uh, one that really rose to the top was one of those horses that doesn't usually face a lot of Florida breads. As a matter of fact, ran in the Derby, Preakness, and Belmont last year. That was Mucho Macho Man. Kathy Ritfo certainly has uh, this horse on his toes right now. He's a four-year-old colt. Last year, like I said, he danced every dance, just a slew of graded races. I believe he had nine graded races in a row. Um, Came back at Aqueduct after a little bit of rest after the Belmont was impressive. 
Uh, and this was the first race ever against Florida Breds. Uh, just as stood behind a turbo compressor, uh, who was the speed horse most of the way, got clear by three in the lane, and and ended up uh, just winning by one and a half. Ron the Greek was second, and Turbo Compressor held on for the third spot. Now let's see. From there, we went to the Santa Monica out at Santa Anita, and the co-favorites were Teddy's Promise and Rumor. Those two, in a seven-horse field, finished off the board, believe it or not. A bit of an upset in here. It was Home Sweet Aspen, who was one of the lone speed horses. As you may recall, we said that this race could be a replay of the grade one La Brea but the uh, the outcome of La Brea was Teddy's Promise and Sugar in the Morning, while Home Sweet Aspen uh, gave them the speed set up and faded to fourth. Well, not t- today. Joel Rosario put in a great ride, a rated Home Sweet Sweet Aspen very well. And as they came to the quarter pole, they all came to him. As a matter of fact, Home Sweet Aspen actually got headed by Rafael Bayrano and Sugar in the Morning, and uh, he fought back. It was a really a game effort, and uh, Sugar in the Morning held on for the second spot, and she's cheeky at 18-1 to 1, coming off a layoff, ended up getting the third spot again. That was the Santa Monica. We finished it out at Santa Anita uh, in the Santa Jezebel, if I'm pronouncing that right. And it was another case where it was stolen. As we said last week, speed was, has been very, very dangerous uh, out at Santa Anita. I know that they did make changes to the main course. They, they added some composition to it, uh, but obviously didn't slow it down all that much. Uh, these are two big races, and they're won both by speed horses. And in this case, it was Willa B. Awesome, who just kept opening up all the way down the lane. I got to think that they got think this filly was going to come back. She never did. Now, these are three-year-old fillies, so you, you could see one of these in the Kentucky Oaks. Running in the second spot was at 3-1 to one, Killer Graces, one that a lot of people thought uh, would win this race off uh, last year's win in the Hollywood Starlet. And uh, off at even money was... Charm, the maker, who did not hit the board, uh, finishing up in the third spot was number five, Lady of Shamrock, who was set off at five to one. So um, we are going to take a little bit of break here. When we come back, we're going to start talking all kinds of horses and horse racing with my friend Rich Eng from Las Vegas. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Tune in to a show about making a comeback. 
and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Listen to Sports Talk at the Positive Pub every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Gil Tyree talks to sports newsmakers, playmakers, and story breakers. You, the hardcore, interactive, and novice fan, can join the show via your phone calls and emails. Sample what's good, right, and positive about the world of sports every week. Begin your week in a positive way with Sports Talk from the Positive Pub. Be here every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, back with me and also back with me, one of my favorite people in the world of horse racing. His name is Richard Ng. We go back, oh, a good 20 years or so when Rich was in the uh, the Kentucky area working as a publicist and uh, now and then would uh, be kind enough to bring me on board to help him with some of his bigger assignments. Uh, now he's the columnist and handicapper for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Uh, last time we spoke, we talked a little bit about the book he wrote for me called Betting on Horse Racing for Dummies. But uh, Rich also was on assignment, I believe, for the Daily Racing Forum, and he wrote The Guide to U.S. Casinos and Racinos. I'll tell you what, there's got to be tougher jobs in the world, Rich. Rich, how you doing? Hey, hi, John, and, and you're right. I uh, hope your listeners uh, appreciate the fact that we go back a long ways, and uh, you were at River Downs, and I was at Turfway Park. But you know, we uh, we had a great relationship, a very friendly relationship, and uh, and uh, I did use you for help on the Jim Beam stakes, and uh, you helped me with my television show. So uh, I, I reached out to you, and uh, you always delivered. Well, you know, the, the, the way I see it is if either of those tracks do well and bring in more people to live racing, then we both benefit because the two tracks don't race against each other live. And, you, you know, your simulcast audience, there's just so much marketing you can do. For the most part, you know who they are, you know where they sit, you know what tracks they bet. <laughs> uh, so the whole the whole idea is for, for all the tracks to, to – continue to do fresh promotions and bring younger and, and fresher faces uh, I- into the track. Uh, but I've got to guess that one thing is if somebody was traveling around and wanted to go to uh, a racino or, or a casino, uh, that they might benefit from something that you penned called the Guide to U.S. Casinos and Racinos. Uh, tell me what that was like to, to you know, write that, and certainly research had to be fun. 
Yeah, I, I put the book together a couple of years after the betting on horse racing for dummies book, and um, I approached the Daily Racing Farm Press with the idea that uh, there was a huge expansion of gaming and across the country, and not only in Nevada, but a lot of states. Uh, for example, Ohio was starting to get into the mix. Uh, I've been reading, John. and uh, But, you know, going back a few years, uh, there was just a lot of new casinos being built. Uh, there were Indian casinos popping up all over the place. And a lot of racetracks were also getting the slot machines. So, you know, I thought it was a good idea to, to put together a compendium of these casinos and racinos. And, you know, the idea is that there's a lot of people, uh, you know, especially out here in Vegas, I kind of got the idea from talking to people in the race books, we get a lot of snowbirds, and a lot of them like to go to places where they can gamble. And a book like this is just a, you know, just a, a, a tremendous uh, travel guide as far as uh, if you're in a Winnebago or something or you're flying around, and uh, it outlines what the places are, where they are. I have all contact numbers, uh, restaurants, uh, hotel rooms, you know, you name it. I got everything uh, in the book, so... Um, there's been a few years, uh, I have not updated the book uh, for DRF Press, but I think uh, a large, large part of the book is still very current, very relevant, and uh, you know, I recommend it if someone really likes to, to gamble and likes to visit casinos and racinos, this will outline uh, coast to coast. Well, you, you need to press those guys at the form. I think you need to get a travel voucher and start hitting some of these new ones. <laughs> Certainly, uh, <laughs> something that looks like it's, it's flying off the map is what's happening at Aqueduct right now. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a, a perfect example of uh, uh, something that's relatively new, but, uh, you know, it was exploding a few years ago, too. But uh, I'd be interested, you know, next time I go back east, I'm going to try to swing by Aqueduct and take a look at the, the casino park because I put seven years of my life working for the New York Racing Association, John, before I moved out to Kentucky. And uh, I remember Aqueduct very, very well, and I'm kind of interested to see what it looks like now versus when I was there a couple, you know, a few decades ago. Well, you know, I'm seeing the statistics that are coming out of there, and they say that it's doing so well, and they have yet to actually implement their marketing program, and they're not doing a whole lot of publicity. You know, I got a feeling it's one of those things they want to make sure the engine was running right uh, before they really stepped on the gas pedal. So it's pretty amazing that uh, they're doing so well without even hyping the facility, and, and you've probably seen and read some of the things that I guess the claiming game has just gone through the roof uh, at the New York tracks, because you can claim you can claim a horse for you know twenty thousand, and, and next week or two weeks later, run them back for forty or fifty. Yeah, I've heard about that. The horses are being claimed like crazy because people want to go after the rich purses. And even though the purses are up, uh, we're still in early February, and I, I've been told that they're still sitting on a bunch of money waiting for the spring when a lot of the uh, uh, more classier type animals come back from uh, Florida and Kentucky and stuff like that, and uh, then the book will really explode. But, you know, for folks out there listening, John, who have not been back to the New York area and know how Aqueduct is situated in the New York metropolitan area, it is very close to Kennedy Airport, right off the of Van Wick Expressway. It is incredibly dense population, and it's very, there, there's literally, you know, many millions of people that can get to Aqueduct very, very easily, whether by uh, car, by bus. There's actually a subway stop there uh, that I'm not sure if uh, they reactivated it, but uh, I remember when I first started working at, at uh, Naira, 
there was a, a train that a subway used to take people right out to uh, the Big A and, and let them off on a ramp. And then uh, during the time that I was there, John, they stopped that service. But that station is still there. And, you know, if, if they're smart, they're, they either have it going again so people can get off the subway and go right into the Big A, or, uh, you know, they better have it on the blueprint to, to bring it back. But there's a lot of public access to get there. And it's so densely populated, it doesn't surprise me that people are climbing over the fence trying to get in. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta think they're putting a fresh coat of paint on that, uh, on that subway <laughs> stop right now. Rich, uh, want to tap into the fact that you're out there in Vegas. Uh, we just had the Daily Racing Forum NTRA uh, handicapping challenge. It, it turned out to be a really exciting event. Can you kind of paint the picture for us? Yeah, it was uh, a really expanded tournament this year. Uh, last year. It was at Red Rock Casino out in Summerlin, which was uh, nowhere near the Strip. They had 301 part- participants and people who qualified, John. And they made a, a concerted effort to try to increase the number of uh, qualifiers and people to qualify. So the number was 482 this year. That's right. a significant increase from 301. But the only way you can accommodate that many players, John, is you have to have a ballroom because uh, in all the previous years, when it was held out here in Vegas, the NHC was held in a race book, which was expanded, and it had just gotten too big for its own britches. So they went to the Treasure Island for the first time this year, back on the Strip, and they had a beautiful ballroom facility up on the second floor. And, and the way they did it was kind of neat, too. They had The main ballroom had 60 tables laid out with eight chairs at each, 480 seats. That was meant to be for a vast majority of the qualified people. And then there was a secondary auxiliary room, which was actually the room that I spent uh, a lot of time in, where they had another 20 tables in a smaller ballroom uh, with eight seats at each table. So that was room for another 160. But uh, between the, the players and uh, friends and people like myself, uh, both rooms were jammed to the gills. And uh, the winner of the tournament, uh, I think his name was Michael, I think it was Wojciech. Yeah. Uh, he and his group, they sat about three. They sat three tables from me. And oh, great! So you were there to see the reaction. Absolutely, and uh, a funny story. Uh, this is before the last race of the tournament, which turned everything upside down. But uh, middle of the day on Saturday, uh, the whole table got up during the, the running of a race. I can't remember. It was like Oak Lawn or Fairgrounds. It was something like that. And everyone started jumping up and down, chanting two, 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 two. So obviously, they played the two horse. It was a, a square price, and I'm watching the TV, and son of a gun, the, it's at the top of the stretch, and the, the two-horse gobbles up a, a speed duel and, and draws off the win at 7 or 8 to 1, and they all went nuts, and I, and I had to go over there to see what the heck was going on, and it was uh, this Michael Boychek and his friends, and uh, he told me they were it moved him into second place, and I said, well, that's, I tell you what, I said, you're, you're allowed to root if you're that close to a million dollars, and I kept an eye on them the rest of the afternoon in the last race. Could not have been more exciting. I don't know if you're, you or your listeners. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen the video on the internet. Fantastic. Yeah, they uh, it, it, and you know the, the the angle of the last race, the last race of the tournament was a very cheap claiming race at Golden Gate Fields. Right, and uh, uh, the first and second place uh, players, uh, Boychek and uh, David, uh, I, I forgot his name too. He's uh, like Fallsbaum or something like that, but right. I apologize for butchering his name. But they both saved a bullet for the last race, and uh, Michael's horse 
won the race by a nose, and David's horse ran third, beat about three quarters, was was in the was in the hunt coming on at the end. Wow, it's a and, tough way uh, to lose a million dollars. Yeah, so but you know what made the mystery even deeper was the fact that not only did the horse have to win by a nose, but the win and place mutual had to add up to eleven dollars to tie more than that to, to win. Right, and uh, the horse went off at three to one, so it was close. But the breakage brought it up to eight twenty and three eighty, so it's twelve dollar total. They win by a buck, and uh, for the second place finisher, that is as bad a beat as you're going to get in horse racing, I guess. That's yeah, no I know. We've all had to tear up some tickets, but you, that is a tough one to go from a million dollars to a well, one hundred fifty thousand isn't too bad. You'd still rather have that, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking with Rich Ng out here from Las Vegas. He's the columnist and handicapper for the Las Vegas Review Journal. We're going to be right back after this break, and we're going to start breaking down some of the top three-year-old races on the national racing scene. You're listening to WinningPonies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Fantasy Sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play Fantasy Sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll free at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and again, with me from the Las Vegas Review-Journal is Rich Ng. And if you want to follow Rich in, if you want to stalk him, you can do that. Uh, his Twitter account is at Rich, R-I-C-H, Ng, E-N-G, and then the number four, Pro Pick. Am I correct on that, Rich? That is correct, and the, the Pro Pick is for uh, another hat that I wear, uh, ProPickRacing.com, so I, I invite the listeners to... Check on that website, and they'll see my smiling face on the front. 
All right. Well, let's see if we can get your smiling face to uh, uh, pronounce a few winners here in some of these early races. First two, we're gonna we're gonna play we're we're gonna we're gonna play the, the Withers, and then we're gonna we're gonna move on to the Sam Davis. Of course, uh, uh, the, the Withers is a race that's been moved around a little bit. I believe it didn't even uh, exist last year, and uh, now they brought it back as part of the uh, the Triple Crown races uh, there on the on the New York scene. Um, this one looks like. Uh, it's got a standout and then a couple of horses that could make it in- interesting uh, underneath. That's my read on it. Anyhow, um, I watched uh, Alpha and the Count Fleet. Uh, this is a horse who uh, is trained by Karen McLaughlin, uh, has just an amazing pedigree uh, by, by the Red Hot Bernardini out of a Nijinsky, the second mare. You know, I, I just wonder, you know, they wrote that book years ago, From Dubai to the Derby. Um, could mm-hmm. this be uh, could this be the one that, that, that gets it done for the Sheiks? In my opinion, Alpha, I, I don't have the odds in front of me, but I think uh, I read somewhere today that the horse is odds-on to win the Withers. Uh, what do you think, Rich? Yeah, this horse has to be an extremely short price, and uh, I can tell uh, the listeners out there, I, I looked up the win Las Vegas odds on him in the future book. He's 25-1, to 1, so he's certainly one of the players in uh, the early future book money and uh, you know it's interesting to me john the fact that uh, last year as a two-year-old they didn't run this horse on lasix which is you know a legal diuretic that almost every trainer uses with a young horse regardless or not and you know but they did not use them on lasix but they <clears throat> use lasix in the uh, debut this year on account fleet and uh, i know it led to uh, uh, an 85 buyer number which is the highest buyer that he's run so far in his career but you know just on the pedigree alone this horse has a huge upside so this is just another step and uh he's the most likely winner of the race but but that pedigree uh, the mile and a quarter on derby day should not be a problem at all for this horse no i think if this horse has, has any problem kieran mclaughlin says uh that he was a little fractious at the gate last time he actually bobbled even though he won the race authoritatively as the odds on favorite so I guess he's been to the gate like three times in the last 10 days uh, just to try to make sure that that's not a bad habit this horse might have uh, on uh, Kentucky Derby Day. I mean, the horse has already got uh, graded stakes money from running second behind Union Rags in the Champagne. I would say a win in here may come darn close to punching his ticket for the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, you know, there's so much money available in, in three-year-old graded stakes that uh, – you probably, you know, the field safe. You probably need to bank about a quarter of a million to uh, to get into that top twenty. Um, because there's just so much money out there, and all these tracks are, are, are throwing it at the three-year-old division. So, you know, this horse uh, with a win, uh, a two hundred thousand dollar purse, grade three. I mean, that's about one hundred and twenty thousand, John. So, I mean, that's a uh, that's a significant amount, and that should get them pretty close to the, the two hundred and fifty thousand dollar number. But, well, uh, how do you see the, the race setting up? It looks like this Hakama, uh, who drew the rail, is probably going to put uh, the speed and pl- play a little bit of uh, of catch me if you can. Uh, then you've got uh, oh, this uh, New York bred Swag Daddy. Maybe somebody didn't tell him he's a New York bred. They're trained by Dick Dutro. He's two for two at Aqueduct and two for two at the mile and a sixteenth. Yeah, there's an angle with the three swag daddies, the fact that Rick Dutrow was winning almost 40% of his races at the aqueduct meet. So, you know, any animal he throws on the racetrack seems to zoom forward. So, you know, even though this horse probably will be a pretty square price and uh, has a 74 as the highest buyer, 
you know, it's hard to look past or eliminate any horse that Dutro puts out on the racetrack. I thought a horse that might be worth a second look is the four horse, King Kid. Yeah. And there's an angle that goes into the uh, next race that we're going to talk about, the Tampa Bay Downs, uh, the Sam F. Davis at Tampa Bay Downs. But this horse comes out of the Gulfstream Park Derby, and the horse that beat him, Reveron, is in the Tampa Bay Derby. So depending on which race runs first, John, I would advise you <laughs> exactly, to, right. to keep an eye on the other horse. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's always a great angle to find out. Hey, so and so just won a great stakes race in New York. You might want to re up on the the horse at Tampa, and and that's where we'll go now because uh, it really does. It looks like Alpha's race to lose. Hopefully, uh, our listeners on WinningPonies.com can f- find a, a price horse underneath. He, he's he's the standout in there uh, at Tampa Bay Downs. I don't know if, if there is a standout. The horse you just referred to, Reveron, was very impressive uh, in the Gulfstream Park Derby. It comes into this race with increasingly better buyers. Uh, it has now won at a mile and the 16th, the distance of the grade three Sam Davis that we're looking at. But I'll tell you what, this is really, I think, uh, a talent-laden field. I really think that, you know, although he may slightly be the horse to beat, the odds makers only made him 3-1, to one, uh, that there could be an animal kingdom lying in the bushes somewhere. Yeah, this is a very interesting field, and, you know, this is what happens when the you know, the, the purse is 250000 It's a grade three, so that tells all these horsemen that if they win this race, they're going to get uh, about 150000 toward the graded uh, stakes you know, the graded earnings for the Derby, so it's drawn a huge field. Um, Reveron's a very interesting horse. This is always the kind of horse I like to root for, John, because if you look at the, the purchase price of this horse, $20,000 at the, the Keelan sale, and, you know, so this horse was not uh, one of those, um, you know, blue-blooded horses. Uh, Song and a Prayer is a horse I remember very well from uh, New Jersey, a very, very fast animal, so uh, this horse certainly has some speed of his own. Not sure how far he wants to go, but for $20,000, John, they've got their money's worth already, you know, as far as a very valuable colt. And there's a lot of horses worth taking a look at. Uh, I know a horse that I like a lot through the outside perspective. Uh, this horse uh, won the gray stakes at uh, Woodbine, which was the prep for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Just ran awful in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, but then came back in the season debut in the Pasco, which is the prep for this, and uh Made a big move from last to first, so you know, pretty impressive. Uh, this is a pretty nice horse, but there's there's some others that uh, merit merit attention too. Yeah, I mean, I'll co-sign you on perspective. Not crazy about the post, but did do a bit of an outside post last time. And uh, what's strange is if you look at the trouble line, its bandage came loose. It had a bandage trailing him during the race. He actually dropped back to tenth and came on to get up. Uh, by a half a length, so uh, that was a heck of a return race off the uh, Grade One Breeders' Cup Juvenile, uh, where d- he didn't fare very well. But uh, this is another one of those horses that, unlike uh, Reveron, this horse cost a quarter million dollars and is in the hands of Mark Cassie, uh, a horse very much running style similar uh, to Reveron. Both of those are going to be parked outside, but I'll be interested in hearing the, the other ones you like. I, I got a feeling the one that might be playing catch me if you can, that really could be any kind is coming out of the Pletcher barn, a horse by the name of Eka Brani. Yeah, that's an interesting move in the fact that this horse just broke his maiden at Gulfstream Park at seven furlongs. And I was running in a, a grade three stakes. It's a pretty, pretty hefty class rise. And, you know, but the thing is, uh, at this point, as we're in February, 
if a horse like this is going to make the Kentucky Derby field, uh, they've got to be pretty uh, aggressive as far as placement to try to get money. And uh, so uh, they really don't have the time to maybe baby this horse will walk through conditions a little bit because by then we'll be into April and uh, <laughs> it'll be too late for this horse to, to make the dance. And Todd Pletcher has so many three-year-olds that he's not afraid to uh, challenge his babies to see if they're up to the task. Um, I know a horse that's going to draw a lot of interest is the rail horse because the connections are, the, this is the stable made of Animal Kingdom. It's a state of play, Team Valor, Grand Motion, never been on uh, dirt and really doesn't have dirt pedigree, but I think they're taking a shot, and, you know, what the heck. Um, this is a good spot to try to find out if you've got anything. I know last year, for example, Brilliant Speed, the people who had him, Tom Albertrandi, they, they tried him on dirt, and um, he uh, ended up running third in the, the Belmont Stakes eventually, but, you know, you never know until you give it a shot. But this will be a kind of a flip of the coin. If, if, this horse, if this horse can handle dirt, this horse certainly has enough class. Yeah, you know, and there's only two horses in here that are graded stakes winners, and state of play is one of them. It will be interesting, of course. Uh, Grant Motion is a guy that knows uh, what uh, what he's doing. I, everybody, you know, kind of gives me a lot of heat for being a chalkmeister sometimes. I, I, I got what I think is a live long shot in here, Rich, and it's mm-hmm. a horse by the name of Battle Hardened. Now, this is one that was by last year's leading sire, uh, Giants Causeway. Uh, he's coming out of the Eddie Canale barn, and Eddie's pretty good at horses coming back off a little bit of a layoff. When they come back between 31 and 60 days, he wins 24% of the time. And being a son of Giants Causeway, I don't think distance is going to be a problem because this horse just got nipped after setting all the pace, going a mile and an eighth. We're looking at 12 to 1 with Julian Le Paru aboard. Uh, interesting horse. I'm going to keep in my exotics. And, you know, it's interesting to me, I was just looking at the PT line while you were uh, giving the background, is the fact that uh, Keneally uses Le Perot, Julian Le Perot, as a first-call rider, and the first three races of this horse's career, he's used Castellano and uh, Corey Lannery. But uh, Le Perot's on, you know, for Saturday, and uh, that's a good sign, but uh, he is the he is the first-call rider for Eddie Keneally. So um, all these jockeys at this time of the year, it's, I think we're like 90-something days out, Jen, it, you know, while some of them are lined up on a nice three-year-old, they ride as many as they can because you never know what happens. Uh, a derby favorite today may be sidelined tomorrow, so they always want that backup mount. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, here's what we're we're going to do. Again, we're 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 talking with uh, with Richard Ng. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back. We're gonna we're gonna go from uh, New York and Florida all the way out to Santa Anita, where there's. Two interesting races. We are going to look at another uh, three-year-old race uh, that has a very interesting field in the uh, Robert B. Lewis. It's a grade two. Again, graded money, 200000 on the line. And then one for a little bit of the older horses that brings together a very talented cast, and that would be the Strube Stakes. So stick with us. You're listening to winningponies.com. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. It's the Revolution with Jim and Trav, brought to you by Zeiss. This week on the show will be... Lucas Cochran, the all-around winner of the Kansas Monster Buck Classic with a score of 242 net. We'll also have 10-year-old Allison Wright, Keaton Hawker, and Carla Schartz. Plus, we'll have Cat Daddy, Unpro Shansworth, and Tim Jones of Knox Wildlife Blends. All brought to you by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with Rich Eng, the columnist and handicapper from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, we're right now we're going back out to Santa Anita and, uh, this race, it's the Robert B. Lewis. They'll be going a mile and a sixteenth. It is a two-turn race out at Santa Anita. And again, this is the time for those kids to get up, take a swing at the fences because a win here will get you closer to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, a very talented field. A lot of horses that have seen each other before when they went in the very rich cash call futurity at Hollywood Park. That was back just before Christmas. And we've got the one-two finishers in here in liaison and rousing sermon. Uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It looks like there's a really good rivalry uh, setting up between these two horses. Rousing Sermon's been doing his best to try to run down a liaison, but just has not been able to do it yet. Um, Bob Baffert has not won, but two horses in here, and I heard off the air that my friend Rich Ng thinks that Sky Kingdom might be the better half of uh, the two Bafferts going to post, Rich. Well, yeah, the way I look at it, uh, with an uncoupled entry, a lot of times uh, trainers, and we've seen this happen all over the place, will run two horses, and the one with the higher odds always seems to win more often than the other one. But um, if I was buying stock in these two horses and it was offered, I would long-term want to have the stock in Sky Kingdom versus Liaison. I I have liked the Sky Kingdom horse for a while, and uh, I've played them a few times already, and his pedigree just jumps out at you as far as distance. And uh, John, you had mentioned this horse actually should love turf also, but uh, Sky Kingdom is the kind of horse that I think is going to get better and better and better, and uh, will have no problem going a mile and a quarter. The thing with Liaison, uh, who is more of the now horse, and he's only twelve to one in the Win Las Vegas Kentucky Derby Future Books, so it's too late to do anything with him. But he's by Indian Charlie. Right. Who, uh, Bob Baffert trained, and uh, this horse actually was the Kentucky Derby favorite, and he won the Sandy the Derby. But he turned out to be more of a miler type, and uh, most of his better offsprings have been either one turn or miler type. So uh, while he's kind of eating everybody's lunch now, uh, I'm not sure how things are going to go for him when he starts going to uh, the longer distance races. But Sky Kingdom is a very interesting horse for me, and 
there's uh, there's others. It's not a two-horse race, that's for sure. Uh, no, no, not at all. I mean, you look down here, you've got Doug O'Neill's in here. Uh, Jerry Hollendorfer comes in with uh, th- this rousing sermon who just seems to be able to come from off the pace. And like I said, the horse has just been missing at a mile and a quarter. Uh, it does like Santa Anita, though, Rich. Uh, the, the horse won the Cal Cup Juvenile. is a Cal bred uh, here has already got a win over the strip and has a win at the distance. Uh, what do you think about Hollendorfer's horse, Rousing Sermon, who just can't get past liaison? You know, this is one of those horses that uh, I think most people would love to own. He doesn't have the rich pedigree of some of these others, like the Empire Makers or the Giant Causeway. He's a cowbred. But uh, you can tell this horse has a heart, and I've seen every one of these races. This horse is a hard-trying son of a gun. And, uh, you know, those are the kind of horses that you can never leave out because even if, even if you don't like them to win the race, uh, they always seem to sneak onto your uh, vertical ticket. So uh, he's, you know, clearly a horse that's going to give his best effort. Uh, he really hasn't bounced. He's been six for six in the money, John. And there's five horses out of the cash call futurity here. So he was one of them. He was right in the mix of things. So a uh, horse uh, certainly can't eliminate uh, the, the, kind of a mystery horse in here, and it's hard to knock his uh, his lifetime record. Five starts, four wins, and a second. Go to the outside there. Chips all in. Uh, it, it won, I guess what you call minor stake at Santa Anita on the turf, the 80 low, mm-hmm. 81,000. This horse is trained by Jeff Mullins, who's having a great uh, meet. And here's another one of those uh, kind of rags to riches story. 4,500 you could get this horse for, and it's closing in on 150,000. Uh, the, the horse has already won, you know, going a mile. Uh, just kind of wondering from a viewpoint, do you think this, this is a horse you want to keep in your exactness? Uh, I mean, this is a hard trying horse, too, but, uh, you know, this is going to be a big test because one, the Eddie Logan, which he won last time out, was a mile on the grass. Uh, he's only got one dirt race on his resume, and that was winning the uh, Gold Rush Futurity at uh, Arapahoe Park. And this horse was privately purchased after that race, and Jeff Mullins has taken over. You know, Jeff Mullins is a good horse trainer, and uh, he's taking a shot here. He's going to find out what he's got. This is uh, this is the big class test for him on Saturday. Well, it'd be interesting because this horse, when he wakes up in the morning, doesn't know what stall he's been in. He's had five career starts, four wins all of them at different racetracks. Well, we're going to stay at the same racetrack. We're going to stay at Santa Anita, but we're going to go to the Strube. Now, this is a race with with a lot of history in it. Uh, it's a mile and an eighth, but it draws together some really uh, solid horses. Uh, but I think there's some great question mark horses in here. And I think the question mark is I see two horses yeah, uh, that I'm scratching my head saying, are, are they ready for this, I, I think Tapazar is probably the standout off his win in the San Fernando. But the biggest question mark I got, and I'd like to get your input on this, is Jay Cito, a horse who is a young horse, won a grade one at the Norfolk, uh, only made two starts last year. But, man, when I look at the workout line on this horse, I don't think there's a, there's a horse uh, on the West Coast that can catch him in the morning. It looks like Baffert really has Jay Cito on his toes. Does he have him wound up enough to face this kind of uh, talent at a mile and an eighth is the question, Rich. Well, it's interesting that Baffert is running Jay Cito in the strew without any sort of prep. But if you look at all those bullet works, 
you know, Bob Baffert is certainly a trainer who can get a horse to win off a layoff in a big horse race. And this was one of the most talented two-year-olds uh, in his year, uh, you know, in 2010, uh, you know, going into the Breeders' Cup Juvenile that Uncle Mo absolutely won uh, in, a, in a very convincing manner. This horse was 5-1 to one in the Uncle Mo Breeders' Cup Juvenile, so that showed how much respect he got that day. But if uh, folks remember that race, this horse, uh, for whatever reason, uh, acted very badly and, and, and bolted toward the outside fence. That was the last time he ran for Mike Mitchell, and then he switched barns to uh, Bob Baffert. And they did want to try to get him to the Derby last year, but it just didn't work out. He just ran the one time in the San Felipe. This horse has a world of talent, and uh, if they can get his head screwed on straight, then uh, he's going to be a major factor in the handicap division. So we're going to find out something about him on Saturday if uh, Baffert's got him seeing straight, because those bullet workouts are all very impressive. But uh, all of Bob Baffert's horses seem to work fast, and then they run fast. Well, another horse that, that had one heck of a three-year-old season last year, winning derbies left and right, but they were in Iowa, West Virginia, and Louisiana, <laughs> was uh, was Prayer for Relief, who really looked like he was going places, and then uh, kind of tailed off in the Clark Handicap. Had, had the, a, a solid race in the San Fernando, uh, but couldn't match strides with the horses that will probably be the favorites in here, Tapazar and Balladry. Do you think there's an upside to Prayer for Relief? Well, you know, Prayer for Relief is one of those hard triers, too. And uh, I remember that Tapazar raced very well. I mean, the Tapazar is kind of a freakish animal. And when he's on his game, he's probably going to win this race. But he's kind of his own worst enemy. He reminds me to some degree uh, a little bit of twirling candy last year, just freakishly fast, a little bit headstrong. But uh, when they're focused and the screw, all the screws are right, uh, they are very, very tough to beat. Uh, Tapazar is going to want the front end, and that's where he runs best. Prayer for Relief has a style which would looks like would allow him to sit second, third, maybe even fourth off the pace. And um, he's kind of been an overachiever. You know, I, I think there's there's a reason why Baffert went the Derby route for Iowa, West Virginia, and the Super Derby. He really didn't want to uh, put him up against the big boys in races like the Haskell. All right, or, Rich, I only got about know. 30 seconds to close. Give me your top pick here in the Stroob. I tell you what, I'll, I'll go with JC though. That that Baffert's got him straightened out and ready to go. All right. Well, once again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can read his books, uh, uh, Betting on Horse Racing for Dummies, uh, The Guide to U.S. Casinos and Racinos. You can also uh, read Rich Ng in the Las Vegas Review Journal, or if you want to stalk him, it's at Rich Ng, the number four pro pick to see who he likes. Rich, thanks so much for joining us today on Winning Ponies. I love talking to you, and I wish you best of luck wherever you go. Thanks, John. Call me anytime. Thank you. I plan on doing that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Rich Ng, and that pretty much winds up another segment of Winning Ponies. Uh, We hope that you will dial in and use a lot of the services and the handicapping uh, elements of winningponies.com to complement the horses that we get to talk about here uh, every week on winningponies.com. So that's going to close out the show. From atop the grandstand overlooking the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.